Good morning. Does anybody, this is a pop quiz, it won't be on the final exam, but it is a pop quiz this morning. Does anybody know on the church calendar, not our church, but the global church, on the church calendar what day it is today? I see a hand in the back. You get an A plus, outstanding. Wow, you'll get a hug a little later on from Papa. Pentecost, Pentecost. So uh, next question is on the pop quiz, does anybody know what Pentecost is? What it represents. Anybody? Yes. Your, your, hand moment, your hand movement is perfect. Yes. It's, the, when the Holy, it's when the Holy Spirit was given to the church. Right? But what was Pentecost before the, before the Holy Spirit was given to the church? What did it represent a thousand years before the Holy Spirit was given? So what does penta mean? Five, Five right, right? So Pentecost means 50. So 50 days past a certain event. And what is 50 days prior to Pentecost? What would that be? I see a hand in the back. Yeah. Easter, right? And so what was Easter a thousand years before it was Easter? Passover. Exactly. Passover. And so... Uh, the Jewish nation celebrated <clears throat> quite a few festivals or quite a few feasts throughout the year. <laughs> there were major feasts and then there were minor feasts. One of the major celebrations was Passover. And Passover goes all the way back to Egypt, right, when the nation of Israel was taken out of Egypt. And <clears throat> it was one of, the, one of the biggies. Another biggie was Pentecost. Pentecost which was called the week of feast before it was called Pentecost, week of feast, was when the grain harvest had finally been taken in. And so they had finished all the grain, had been planted and harvested, and they were through with it. And so when they got through with all their labor over those weeks, they harvested the grain and they had a party to celebrate. <clears throat> now, later in Jewish life, Pentecost took on more meaning than it originally took on. I don't want to go into all that. Uh, this morning, but Pentecost was a celebration of a feast given. And so Jesus, on the Passover feast, died and rose again. Fifty days later, Pentecost happened, or week of the feast what happened. We call it Pentecost today. And that's when the Holy Spirit was given, according to the church calendar of our day and even the day back then. So that's what it means, Pentecost. It was a week of feasts. When they celebrated. <clears throat> when I was uh, in a church in North Carolina. When I was in seminary. That church had a fall feast. On the day of. Uh, not a fall feast. But a feast on the day of Pentecost. To try to celebrate some of the. Jewish feasts that took place throughout the year. It was quite interesting. Anyway. Pentecost for us. Means the giving of the Holy Spirit. I'm in Acts chapter 2. If you'd like to join me there. I just want to read. What happened on the day of Pentecost to make a few comments about that. Acts chapter 2. We'll begin with verse 1. Now, uh, Jesus, from the time of his resurrection to the day of Pentecost, we've already discovered was 50 days. How many days did Jesus walk the earth before he was taken up into heaven during those 50 days? I see that hand in the back. 40 days. Outstanding. 
Outstanding. We have a nine-year-old answering these questions. That's great. It blesses my heart. You go, girl. 40 days. So for 40 days, Jesus walked the earth and met people and talked to them, and, and they got to see him and everything. And then he ascended up into heaven, and that's where we kind of pick up with the story. But for 10 days, Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and just pray and wait for the gift that I'm going to send you. Wait for the gift. So they prayed and fasted and worshiped and talked among themselves. What does this mean for 10 days? 10 days of prayer and fasting. And at the end of 10 days, the Holy Spirit was, was given to them. They didn't know what the gift was. Jesus had told them about the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, in John, the Bible records that Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, even prior to Acts chapter 2. But the Holy Spirit was not given and poured out until Acts chapter 2. So Acts chapter 1, uh, we find that uh, Jesus had already ascended and the disciples were wondering what to do next and they were talking about things. And then we get to chapter 2, verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, what would you do if you were sitting in a room and all of a sudden you looked in, in front of you and your neighbor had this little flickering candle on top of their head? Everybody had one of those little candles on the top. What would you, Tommy, what would you do? You want to put it out, right? Well, it's a fire. Put that thing out, right? So that would be our instinct, right? It's a fire. Put it out. But it seemed like there were flames of fire resting on everybody. And that was kind of weird, right? Come on, be honest. Was that weird? Thank you. I would think that would be weird. Yes, I see that hand. What would you do? You'd roast marshmallows? Yes. A nine-year-old would roast marshmallows, yes. And I'd be right there with you, yeah. And so nobody had ever seen anything like this before. There was nothing like this in the Bible. The only thing that came close to this in their history of the Bible, their understanding of their, of their heritage, was Moses in the burning bush that was on fire yet not consumed, right? And so we even see in the, in the story of the burning bush a type of the Holy Spirit who is to be given later on. Because the flames that, that we see in Acts chapter 2 that came on people, it didn't consume them. It, it, it filled them and inspired them as the burning bush inspired Moses back in his day. So you see the parallels from the Old Testament to the New Testament? It wasn't just one person that got to see this, this flame in a bush, right? Now everybody got to see the flame on everybody. And all the Jewish people would look at that and go, oh, wait a minute, this is similar to what happened to Moses, except we all have an experience with God now. God is present with all of us now. Very unique. But they would have understood that. Now, the people who weren't Jewish in nature and didn't know the history, they wouldn't understand it. It would just simply still be weird to them. So the Holy Spirit came on them and filled them, and they began speaking in tongues. And we're going to find that in a little bit. They were speaking different languages. And some of the languages are, are mentioned here. Now, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each one of us hears his own in his own native language? Parthians, 
Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine to drink. They're drunk. Right? Hey, here's a great question to ask during your day. When something happens and it, you don't know, you don't understand, a great question is to do this. What does this mean? <coughs> Father, what does this mean? You're in a store and something happens over here. And it's a great question. Father, what does this mean and what must I do? What does this mean? What am I seeing? What must I do? You see something on TV. It's, what does this mean? What does this mean for me? What does this mean? And what must I do about it? It's a great question. So they asked that question. So Peter stood up. Peter stood up with the 11. Why was it 11 and not 12? Judas was gone. Judas was gone. So, so Judas, 12 minus Judas equals 11. Plus they added somebody in Acts chapter 1, Matthias. So now they're backed up to... 12, right? So, can you do that math? So, there's, there's at least 17 apostles mentioned in the Bible. Matter of fact, there's a female apostle mentioned. Anybody know her name? Another pop, pop test here. Junia. We'll get to that another time. All right. <clears throat> then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Right? No. This is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And so Peter is about to quote Joel. Right? Peter wasn't carrying a scroll around with him. He had this memorized. This is important. And it's a great passage to, to have in your memory. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Okay, let's stop right there. The spirit is going to be poured out on men and women. No longer will your anointing be based on your anatomy. The spirit is poured out equally on both men and women. You know, there's a lot of talk going on in the news today about how women have been treated and are being treated. And that's, that's been from, from day one. Uh, women not treated with respect. Jesus was a great leader in helping men understand that women should be treated with respect. He broke a lot of customs. He talked to women, which a rabbi wouldn't do. He talked to women who were foreigners. They weren't Jewish women, which a rabbi would never do. Uh, he was a great leader in saying women should be treated with respect. And here we see God Almighty himself saying women should be treated with respect because he's pouring out his spirit equally on all of us. Everybody in this room has the same amount of the Holy Spirit poured into them. Just because I'm a pastor and have been to seminary does not mean I have more of the Holy Spirit poured out on me than someone who hasn't been to seminary. We all have an equal. There are no happy meal portions of the Holy Spirit given out anywhere we all get all the holy spirit 
And I think that's important to remember. And that's why here at Rock Springs Church, if a man or a woman is inspired by the Spirit to say something, I encourage you to say it. I hope you will say it because we need to hear it. The Holy Spirit has said something to you. We need to hear what the Holy Spirit has said to you, to us. So your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. Now, Joel, who said this prophecy, and Peter, who's quoting it, is not trying to list a category of, of just the young men get to do the dreams and the old men get to do the visions. What he's saying here is the Holy Spirit's going to work in everyone's life and you're going to see dreams and visions. Things are going to unfold before you and you're going to prophesy these things. And it says, I will pour out my spirit in those days <clears throat> and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs on earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. Uh, has anybody seen any billows of smoke in the last week or two? Especially as you look west. Anybody? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah. Kilauea. Yeah, Kilauea. I've been, I've been right there where that thing's exploding. And uh, I don't want to be there right now. Did you see the picture of the people playing golf in front of it? No. Talking about a putt for par, right? <laughs> the heck of a putt for par there. So billows of smoke. We don't know where the billows of smoke are going to come from, but we can see what it might look like. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep hold of him. Amen. I saw the Lord always before me, the psalmist said, because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence. Verse 36, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. And with many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 people were added to their number that day. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God 
and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So the Holy Spirit has been given. The Holy Spirit is a person. We have a relationship with him. He's brilliant. And he invites us into that, into that relationship. And so I want to give you quickly six things about the Spirit. And obviously each one of these is going to spell the word Spirit. Okay? So if you're jotting these down, S-P-I-R-I-T, it'll help you to remember this. The first thing about the Holy Spirit is it's the Holy Spirit that saves us. You've probably heard, if you've been in church any length of time, to invite Jesus into your heart. You ever heard that phrase? Mm-hmm. It's not in the Bible. Okay? Nothing wrong with saying that, but it's not a biblical phrase. I want to invite Jesus Christ into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. Jesus made the way for salvation when he died on the cross and rose again. He made the way for salvation. He opened the door for salvation. But salvation is when you say yes to the Holy Spirit. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is not saying a cuss word or saying GD or something like that. That's not blasphemy. I certainly shouldn't say that. Blasphemy is rejecting the Holy Spirit. The Bible is very clear on that. Three different places. Very clear that blasphemy. The only thing that accounts for blasphemy is saying no to the Holy Spirit. Right? No the sin out there. The, you know, there's churches that have made all these lists of sins. These are blasphemy. No, blasphemy is saying no to the Holy Spirit. Why? And why can't you come back from blasphemy? Because if you say no to the Holy Spirit, that means you cannot be saved. Does that make sense? If the Holy Spirit is standing in the doorway and say, would you like to come in? And you say, no, I don't want to come in. I don't have anything to do with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will say, well, just stay outside then. I wish you would come in, but just stay outside. You will never enter in to heaven if you don't come through the Holy Spirit through me. So it's the Holy Spirit that saves us. The Bible has a couple of verses. It says in John chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, Spirit gives birth to spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that gives birth to your born-again spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 11 says, You were washed, sanctified, and justified in Jesus by the Holy Spirit. So if you were washed, sanctified, and justified, it was by the Spirit, not by Jesus. Because of Jesus, yes, but through the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 1, 22 says that, that he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is yet to come. When you put a deposit down on something, it's guaranteeing that you're going to come back and buy that. Put a deposit down on a house. I'm going to come back and buy it. Put a deposit down on a car. I'm going to come back and buy it. The Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing that we are saved and are being saved and will be saved for all eternity. It's a deposit. The Holy Spirit is how we are saved. He saves us through the washing and rebirth and renewal in the Holy Spirit, it says in Titus chapter 3, verse 2. So the first thing, S, in the word spirit, the spirit saves us. Secondly, the spirit pastors us. The spirit is our pastor. Philippians 2, 1 says, If you have any encouragement, any tenderness, or any compassion from the spirit, then be like-minded toward one another. It's the Holy Spirit that comes in and allows us to be tender and compassionate because he pastors us. You know, in your worst crisis, you may have some great friends. You may have a pastor. You may have a loved one that steps into your life, and that's great. But the heart of it is the Holy Spirit that comes in and brings us comfort in that time of distress. If not, 
you know, we just go crazy. We, we, can't, we can't find our way through. It's the Holy Spirit that comes in and says, you're a son or daughter of the Most High God, and I'm going to comfort you with only the comfort that God can give us. He's the only one that can bring the ultimate comfort in our life. It's great to have family and friends and people who enter in our lives when we go through a crisis, but it's the Holy Spirit that brings the true comfort, the true peace into our life, the true encouragement. Jesus said in John chapter 14, 26, I'm leaving you a counselor. I'm leaving you a comforter. There's another word that's used for it. The Greek word is paraclete, which means someone who comes along beside you, right? comes along and walks with you through something. So the Holy Spirit saves us. The Holy Spirit is our, is our pastor. And actually, he pastors through us to other people. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but when, when you are invited into someone's crisis, even at 10 o'clock at night, the Holy Spirit gives you words to say and pastors through you when maybe you don't know what to say. The Holy Spirit is an amazing pastor. The third thing is, the Holy Spirit inspires us. It's the Holy Spirit that inspires us, that empowers us. It says in Ephesians 3.16, Paul is praying, I pray that God would strengthen you with power through the Holy Spirit. That's the inspiration that, in, that inspires us to, to get up and go and, and do life. He inspires us. It says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that we didn't read, it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You know, when they built the temple a long time ago, it was the Holy Spirit that came and, and taught men and women and workers how to build it. The Holy Spirit actually inspired them with, with thoughts and plans and blueprints and inspired them with craftsmanship in their hand where the word craftsmanship comes from. It's an Old Testament word where the Holy Spirit came in and taught them how to do things, empowered them to do that. When you play a guitar or a keyboard, when you play an instrument of some kind, and you ask the Holy Spirit to inspire you in that, he comes in and inspires us. He empowers us to do that. Whatever your job is during the week, he can inspire you. He can empower you. gives you power to do that. gives you power to be a teacher or a banker, whatever it is you do with your life, he inspires that. The fourth thing is, the Holy Spirit likes to remind us of things. He, he likes to remind us of things. As a matter of fact, it says, Jesus said in John chapter 15, that the Holy Spirit will remind us and testify about Jesus. John chapter 14, verse 26. He will remind us of everything that Jesus has ever said to us. He likes to remind us. How many of you have a reminder app on your phone? <laughs> Almost everybody here has a reminder app on their phone. How many of you don't even have a phone? Okay, the nine-year-old doesn't have a phone. Okay, Josh didn't have a phone either. Okay, great. That's good. That's a good thing. When you're 18, you can get a phone, right? And then, and then pay for it, right? Especially pay for it part of it. The Holy Spirit is our reminder app, if you will. No offense intended by the Holy Spirit, but he's there to remind us. He's there to remind us of who God is for us, who God wants to be for us today, who he was for us yesterday, who he's going to be for us tomorrow. The Holy Spirit loves doing that. And he loves bringing things back to our memory of things he says. I was thinking the other day about something, and, and the Holy Spirit took me back to like seven years old. It's like, oh, man, I've forgotten that story. What a great story. Uh, 
someone who did a kindness in my life. And the Holy Spirit says, yeah, I was working in your life back then. Don't you remember? And I promise you, the Holy Spirit's been at work in your life when you were conceived. And even before then, however long, the, however long our human spirits have been around, maybe since creation, I don't know, but the Holy Spirit's been interacting with our human spirits for a long, long time and will for a long, long time to come. You get that, right? The Holy Spirit loves doing that. The fifth thing is about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit loves to instruct us. It says in 1 Corinthians 2.12, he helps us understand what God has freely given us. It says in John chapter 16, verse 13, that he will guide us into all truth. So you got a question. Do I do this or do this? You take it to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I've got this choice. I've got this choice. What do I do? And the Holy Spirit will instruct you in what the truth is. Matter of fact, a great prayer is, Holy Spirit, I just want to know what the truth is. You don't even have to say about anything in particular. You can just ask, Holy Spirit, I want to know what the truth is. It's a great prayer to pray. Real simple prayer. Wake up in the morning. Holy Spirit, what is the truth for me today? What is the truth for me today? It's a, it's a great thing to pray. You know, I love praying this prayer in the morning. The first thing before I even get out of bed is, Holy Spirit, who, who are we going to serve today? Who can I serve today? And I love getting that text or that phone call or that email or something that says, hey, can you help me today? I just rejoice in that because I ask in the morning, who can I serve? And, and the day just lines up. It just lines up with people to serve and help. This week was one of those great weeks. It's the Holy Spirit, who can I serve? And everywhere I turned, there was somebody that needed prayer or for knees or prayer for the marriage. It was just, it was one of those great weeks. Holy Spirit, how can I serve people today? He loves to instruct us. Jim, this is what, this is what you are going to do today. That's how Jesus lived his life. You, you know that, right? He was a human. He was a man, fully man, fully God. But he lived his life empowered by the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that you have. He woke up every morning, talked to his father through the Spirit, and said, what are we going to do today, Dad? And the Holy Spirit empowered him as he empowers us to go about a day. Uh, the last thing, the T. It's the Holy Spirit that transforms us. He transforms us. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, We are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory by the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that transforms us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, The man without the Spirit does not accept spiritual things. They are foreign to him. They're foolishness to him because he's not being led by the Spirit. But we who have the Spirit are being transformed with ever-increasing glory. What does glory mean? It means who Jesus is. We're being transformed more and more to look like Jesus every day. Now, that doesn't happen unless you want it to happen. You can put your hands up and say, I don't want to be any more like Jesus than I ended up. I'm good with Jesus. I'm 10% like Jesus. That's all I want to be, right? I'm good. I'm good. It's like the man who told me one time, yeah, I'm about 85% faithful to my wife. What? What? 85% faithful to my wife? What? What? And he'd put his hands up and said, I don't want to go any further than that. I, 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 want, to, I want to be in charge of this part of my life, right? I'll, I'll trust the Holy Spirit for this part of my life. You can't live that way, right? As a believer, you just can't live that way. Right? He wants to transform us with ever-increasing glory. 
And so we have to say yes. So another great prayer every morning. If this is the only prayer you can pray, as soon as you wake up, just simply say yes. Yes. That's a great prayer also. Just yes. Father, yes. It's a great prayer. And the Father says, yeah, I want you to become more like my son. I really do. And so here, here's your assignment today. This will help you become more like me if you'll take this assignment. The Holy Spirit loves to transform us. That's his job, if you want to say he has a job, is to help us become more like Christ. And what we say, what we do, how we think, how we act toward other people, how we act toward ourselves, how we act toward creation. He's constantly transforming us to be more like Jesus. And that's a good thing. And so whatever has happened in your life this week, just know the Holy Spirit can take that because God's at work in our lives all the time, right? Right? <coughs> trying to bring good about in it. Trying to bring us closer into the presence of Christ. He's not so much concerned about our comfort as he is our character. God's not so much concerned about our comfort as he is our character. He wants us to grow in the image of Christ. So whatever happened to you this week, look back on it and say, how can that transform me into the image of Christ? What must I do? Yes. What does this mean? Great prayers. Great prayers. Matter of fact, you can pray yes all day long. And if that's the only prayer you pray all day long, that's a great prayer. Yes, Father. Yes, Father. Yes, Father. That's a beautiful prayer. Amen? Father, thank you so much for this day. I thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. What, a, what an amazing gift. Thank you for sending us the person of the Holy Spirit to save us and to pastor us and to inspire us, to teach us, to instruct us, Father, to transform us and to remind us of who you are every day. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being brilliant. Help us to be brilliant followers of Jesus Christ. And thank you, Jesus, for making a way. We, we're going to thank you in just a moment, Jesus, by celebrating the Lord's Supper, symbolizing that you made a way for salvation. We give you thanks for that. Father, I pray that if there are some here this morning that aren't filled with the Spirit, that, that you would fill us with the Spirit. Just come pour out your Spirit on us. And if you don't do something amazing, something weird and strange that we've never seen before, that's okay. You did it in Acts chapter 2. You can do it here in Smyrna today. We invite you to do that. We invite you to come have your way with us this morning. Just pour out the Spirit on us. Fill us with the Spirit. Help us to be so in tune right now in the Spirit that we just resonate with your love and your your power and your purpose in our lives. So come Holy Spirit, we invite you, we welcome you into our lives. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.